0: It's 2023, time for new changes and new beginnings in Christ. As we approach Fresh Start Sunday, listen in as Pastor Chris Chadwick gives us a new challenge from the Bible for a new year. Philippians chapter 3, in verse number 13. If you turn there. Philippians chapter 3, in verse 13. I think it's easy in the Christian life to begin to think that we're good. We've got it. We're there. Philippians chapter 3, verse number 13, Paul is writing according to the scripture, the church that he called his joy, his crown, his crown of rejoicing, we might say it this way. Now, it's hard to get into the heart of another person, no matter who that person is. But it seems like from scripture, the apostle Paul had a special love for the church at Philippi. They had a special love for him. It seems like I, I, I want to say this with humility, not knowing exactly the heart of the Apostle Paul, but it seems as though the church at Philippi was his favorite church. It's a, it's a book about joy. It's a book about love, Paul's love for the people, the people's love for him and Christ. Just a, a wonderful book. And he says this in a, maybe a, a spirit of transparency that we don't see in every other book that he writes. In verse number 13, he says, Brethren... Loved ones in the church is what it means. Christian brothers and sisters, people part of the church at Philippi. I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before. I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. And I just began to do what Christians are supposed to do with the scripture and mediate, meditate on those two verses. And then I began to really study and, and think deeply about verse number 14. I pressed toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. And God began to work on my heart that this is the direction for our church. And as I began to work on the direction, this was the, or this is the theme that we developed from this verse that in 2023, we're going to pursue some things for the cause of Jesus Christ. We're going to pursue a new walk with Christ, a fresh love for Jesus, a passion for holiness, and a desire to walk with the Lord. And so I tasked our graphics guys with doing this, and then we hired a guy in Croatia. We really did. He's a non-Christian guy. We said, we just want a fresh look. And, and what do you think? And this is what he gave us back. And, and he went through and he shot a video of why he thought this was great. And I loved his perspective. And, and John and he have developed a friendship. And we have that which ties us to San Diego, the wave. But we have a ram representing the, the Christian life. And the ram is always looking for new heights and new things. And they're, they're not settled in the lowlands. They're always pressed on to higher ground, they're always moving up, they're always on the move. And I thought, that's the heart of the Christian. We're supposed to constantly be moving, we're supposed to constantly be advancing, we're supposed to constantly be drawn closer to Christ. Pursue. Our text tonight gives us insight into this. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended this one thing I do, forgetting the things which are behind, reaching to the things which are before. I want you to notice tonight in verse number 13 the mentality of one who pursues Christ. The mentality of one who pursues Christ. The mentality is that they have a strong sense of humility. what do you mean they have a strong sense of humility, Pastor? He says this, I count not myself to have apprehended. The word count means to consider. I, I don't consider myself to have apprehended. Apprehended means to acquire something through one's efforts, to seize, to lay hold upon. And the idea is that of the public games, or what we might call the Olympic games, or maybe even a, a regional sporting event, that, that it's a prize won, the word literally means through strenuous effort. Paul says, I don't consider myself to have won something through, through strenuous effort, Now, before you go, yeah, none of us should think that, we're talking the Apostle Paul. We're talking one who is arguably the greatest Christian in the New Testament, now we don't understand, we don't know exactly what God would say, but I mean, come on, can anybody argue the the impact the apostle Paul had wrote 13 books, possibly 14 books if, if Hebrews is counted. I mean, the apostle Paul is a man who is passionate about the Lord, a man who gave his life for the Lord. And when comparing his pedigree to, to other people and even to other Jews and to other folks in the church, Paul said, if you think you've got something to brag about, I've got way more in my Jewish heritage and then in his Christian heritage, he, he had so much um, notoriety, so much um, gravitas, if you will. He was a man who knew the Bible. He was a man who, who went to the desert and was trained by the Lord for three years. I mean, the Apostle Paul was a man who, who knew and understood the things of God and gave his life for the cause of Jesus Christ. And he literally said, I don't consider myself to have arrived That's a spirit of humility. That's a spirit that says there's still growing for me to do. And and the mentality of one who pursues Christ is they have a strong sense of humility. And I want you to notice this as well. They forget quickly. This one thing I do, this singular thing, one is the smallest whole number. Now, if you are alive in the 60s or 70s, you think one is the loneliest number. but one is the smallest whole number. This one thing I do, this singular thing that I do, I forget the things that are behind. I forget means to dismiss them from my mind. I stop remembering them. We got to do some work here, don't we? Because some of you are staring at me like, yeah, whatever. So we'll do some work. I've got to stop remembering them. It literally means to suppress the thought of. And it's a present tense verb. Now, we did a little bit of work this morning with present tense and active tense. And this would be a present active tense. No, it's, it's actually an indicative tense verb. Uh, but it's present indicative tense verb. Meaning, I have to regularly suppress the thought. Paul says, I forget the things which are behind I forget the things that, that were around before. The things that are in the past. That's what behind means. I am actively forgetting them or dismissing them from my mind. Let me say it this way. I'm actively not remembering. I'm not allowing myself to think about those things. I don't daydream about what might have been. Well, had I not messed up my elbow. I might have been pitching in the majors. Hey, maybe you would have, doubtful, but maybe you would have. Very few of those guys on the planet. Had I not gone to that school, I would have, have, and, and had better education. I'd be here, not being critical, that might be a true statement. That, that very well could be a true statement. H- had I not, you know, ran into that girl, I never would have married her and now I wouldn't have to drive a minivan. <laughs> Life was great when kids were at home. Life was great when there were no kids at home. <laughs> I remember what it was like to have my health I remember what it was like to have my youth. I'm forgetting those things. I was a teller at first banking job I got out of college and I loved banking, it's kind of my thing. And I loved it. And um, the first job that I got was at a bank called First American Bank. Well, they didn't pay well, they really didn't. They, I made 6.25 an hour. Which wasn't terrible in Amarillo, Texas, but Boatman's National Bank was paying eight fifty an hour. Eight fifty an hour. Oh, those were dream numbers. Some of you are like, really? Oh my word! Were you in prison? Those are prisoner wages. That was that was bomb. So, man, we prayed, we prayed, we prayed, and I finally got a job at Boatman's Bank. I was a youth pastor. I'd been a youth pastor at, at Central Baptist Church for about four years. And we weren't poor. We were underserved. Um, we were destitute. Uh, we, we, we just didn't have much. And uh, we, had, we had each other. We had Jesus and we had joy. And we had Judith and Natalie, so we had no time. And so that was just kind of our life. I'm working at Boatman's Bank. Boatman's Bank was the largest bank in the panhandle of Texas and uh, kind of in West Texas is a really big bank it eventually sold to Nations Bank which eventually sold to Bank of America not that you care about all that but I was working at Boatman's Bank and, and I was sitting in the teller line and a regular customer comes into the, to the bank and he says Chris I got to tell you something I said okay what's that he said uh, he's an older man he said I want to do you a favor I said okay he goes you need to buy this stock and he gave me the ticker number and he said it's a penny stock it's a friend of mine's company it's the first ever 3d camera that will be used in animation he goes and if you buy it he goes this is insider knowledge that's not insider knowledge if you buy it the stock is going to go public pretty soon and if the stock goes public your penny stock will probably quadruple in a matter of hours and who knows where it'll be in days and he goes if you if you put in $500 he said i'm telling you right now you'll be a millionaire in less than 6 months Well, I don't know if you've ever worked in banking, but if you've worked in banking, you know, people come in and give you all kinds of stock tips and you're like, yeah, yeah, that's great. And normally they're giving you tips on how to lose money. And so I was like, okay, thanks. And I did some research and I thought, oh, that's really good. And I I talked to Debbie. I was like, Deb, what do you think about this? She goes, yeah, that is awesome. I'm like, great. What do you think? She goes, I think we should do it. I said, that's great. I said, so let's, and this was before like online, before you could buy anything online, you had to go through a brokerage firm. And uh, so uh, I'm 25 years old, never done any stock purchases at all. And so I called the broker and, and I said, hey, can I do this? He said, yeah. I said, can I put this on my credit card? He laughed and hung up the phone really quickly. He's like, no, no, do you have $500? And Debbie and I had talked to him and we're like, we don't have $500. We don't have $500 to, to put down on this. And I never bought the stock. And I remember the day that that customer came into the bank. He said, hey, did you buy the stock? And I said, no, I just don't have the money. He goes, yeah, you can't invest if you don't have money. He gave a Texas phrase. He said, don't take beans off your table to buy it because you might lose it. But he goes, I'm telling you, it's, it's going public in three or four weeks. And three or four weeks came and went. I kind of forgot about it. He came in like three weeks after it went public. He said, hey, did you see that stock? I said, no. He said, did you ever buy into it? I said, no, I just couldn't afford it. He said, bummer. I said, why? He said, the stock you would have bought at a penny a share is now trading, I still remember the number, $3.56 a share. I did the math. I would have been worth $2.5 million as a 25-year-old kid. You say, how do you feel about that? Well, I'm still talking about it sad and in therapy, but... (laughs) No, the reality is this. I have to actively forget that. Why? Because it's behind. It doesn't change anything. It wouldn't change anything if I thought about it all day long. I'm not going to go back and have that opportunity. And let me tell you, I've bought some penny stocks since then, and it hasn't done that well. It doesn't help my current situation. It's simply a distraction And it keeps me from pursuing Christ. That's why Paul says, I'm forgetting the things which are behind. He means, I'm forgetting the pain of the past and I'm forgetting the pleasure of the past. I'm forgetting the victories of the past and I'm per- forgetting the violence of the past. I- I'm forgetting the, the the struggles of the past and the celebrations of the past. I'm forgetting he doesn't qualify what he's forgetting as so far as, as the result of them. He simply says, I'm forgetting the things which are behind and i'm reaching forth to the things that are before you can't dwell in the past and pursue the present you can't dwell in the past and just kind of get by you can't reach for what you don't see you can't reach for what you don't know is there and some of you you, you and, and Christians in a general sense we struggle so deeply with what happened in the past. I'm not saying it's easy to to let go of the things of the past. This is an issue of grace in the life of every believer. Some of you lost a loved one years ago and you've not moved past that and some may even be borderline bitter over what they lost in the past and and your bitterness or your fixation on those things will not change that we believe the apostle paul who was obviously a pharisee in order to be a pharisee you had to be married you couldn't be a pharisee and not be married so we make the deduction that though the apostle paul was single as a pastor missionary that he had been married And most Bible historians and theologians and Bible students would say there's a strong, very strong probability, and I would believe this as well, I believe this as well, I should say, that the Apostle Paul had been married, and when he became a follower of Jesus Christ, his wife divorced him and his parents disowned him. That's what it seems like from the scripture. Let's assume for the sake of discussion that that's accurate. The apostle Paul, listen to what I'm saying, had to actively let those things go, actively. For some in this room tonight, you pillow your head every night worried or wondering about how life would be different if X, Y, or Z circumstance had turned out differently for you. Forget the things that are behind actively stop remembering. That's why Paul said in the book of Philippians chapter four, verse number eight, think on things that are true, lovely, honest, of good report, worthy of praise. Think on the virtuous. Think on these things. We're gonna pursue some things, but before we can pursue anything, we have to forget those things. I'm forgetting those things which are behind. And what does he say? I'm reaching forth. I'm exerting effort forward. I'm exerting energy forward. It literally means stretching out to full length. Now, if you've never ran track, I used to run track. I had the privilege of, of being fast enough to be on a Christian school track team. And uh, we, we had a good track team. We, we, we actually were really fast. A friend of mine went on and ran in college and, and um, he did well. I was more of the, the field guy, the decathlete type jumper, shot put guy, that type of thing. But I was on the 4x1 team. I was also on the 4 by 4 team when the coach was mad at me, the 4 by 400 meters. If I made the coach mad, I was running the 4x4 four because four, that's the worst race. Anybody who runs more than 100 meters has lost their mind. Some of you are like, I'm just going to go for a jog. What, what are you, a Catholic? Is this penance? I mean, come on, what are you doing? You know, suffering for sin? I mean, good grief. You say, Pastor, you don't like running? Why would I run when I have a car? Now, some of you need to work out but you don't need to run. I mean, no, I'm teasing. I'm teasing. Zane likes to run, and we don't like Zane. So there you go. Um, I'm teasing, obviously. But when you when you're in a race and a high level track, and our, our coach had been, in fact, he, he had been assistant coach at Gonzaga in their track uh, track team. Um, when you when you run and you're the final leg or you're in a a 100 meter race or 200 or or whatever, and you come to the finish line, you actually practice um, how to lean in and how to reach forth. Because you can't lean with your arm because your arm doesn't matter. You can be the first one with your arm across, that doesn't matter. You can be the first one with your leg across, that doesn't matter. What matters is your torso and you practice leaning in. And you lean in as fast and as far as you can. And, and you practice leaning in to the point, it's the idea of reaching forth. You practice leaning in to the point where you're just about to fall forward. So you wanna lean to the point of, just about losing your balance. This is the idea of what Paul is saying. I'm forgetting which is behind and I'm reaching forth. I'm leaning into the things that are before. Okay, Paul, you're leaning into the things that are before. What are you leaning into? Well, that's what he answers in verse number uh, uh, 14. Where he says, uh, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. What is before him, what he's leaning into, what he's pressing into is the person of Jesus Christ. I want you to notice secondly, the movement of one who pursues Christ. Not, not just the mentality of one, but the movement of one who pursues Christ. They move, they pursue diligently. He says, I press. The word press means to pursue with earnestness and diligence in order to obtain or to go after with the desire of obtaining. Paul says, I, I'm pursuing Christ, I'm pursuing the mark. I'm pressing toward the mark. I'm giving all of my energy. I'm leaning—a modern-day phrase—is I'm leaning into the mark. I'm—I'm I'm giving it all for Christ. I'm not haphazard. I'm not casual. I'm not here a little bit and there a little bit and over here a little bit. I don't have a Sunday mentality and then a Monday activity. My Sunday activity affects my Monday activity. I don't have a church attitude and a home attitude and a work attitude. I don't act one way in front of church people and a different way in front of my family and a different way in front of lost people. I I, I don't go to church and, and, and do one thing and then go to my command and act another way. The testimony I have with my church friends is the testimony I wanna have with my lost friends. It's the testimony that I'm gonna have with the people in my community. Not Why is that? Because I'm pursuing Christ on every level. I want that testimony with my wife. Uh, I want her to, to view me the same as the folks at church view me and as, as, as my children would view me. I, I want my children to view me the same. I, listen, I wanna walk with Jesus so much that Judith and Natalie... If you're a guest here, my daughter's 27 and 24, my 27-year-old daughter, Judith, my 24-year-old daughter, Natalie, I want them to know that dad is more passionate for mom in private than he is in public. Oh, I'll say it again. I want my kids to know, because they see me behind closed doors, that I'm more passionate about my relationship with their mom in private than I am in public, that my love for Debbie isn't a put on in church and something else that I I act a different way at home. I want them to know that my love for Christ at church or my perceived love for Christ at church translates to my love for Christ at home, that my desire to grow closer to Jesus at church is my desire to grow closer to Jesus at home. I don't have a church lingo and a home lingo. I'm pursuing Pressing towards Christ. First Corinthians chapter 9, verse number 24, says, Know ye not that they which run in a race run all, but one receiveth the prize? So run that you may obtain. Every man that striveth for the mastery is temperate or for the victory. The one that tries to win is temperate or disciplined in all things. Paul says, people don't prepare for the Isthmian Games, the early form of the Olympics. People don't care for the early form or or prepare for the early form of the Olympics by just being haphazard. You're not going to find them down at the taco shop every day. I don't know why. I think taco eating should be an Olympic sport. If it is, some of you would be gold medalists. I'm telling you, I've seen you. You're gonna see them temperate in all things. You're gonna see them temperate in everything. And Paul says, so fight I not as one that beats the air. I'm not just messing around, but but I I keep under my body. I bring it into subjection, lest that by any means when I preach to others, I myself should be a castaway. What's he doing? He's pursuing Christ diligently. Diligently, diligently. Romans chapter 12, verse number one says, Wherefore, seeing we are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight on the sin which just so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. They pursue diligently. They aim intentionally. He says, I verse number fourteen, I press toward the mark of the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Press toward the mark the goal the target I want to win Christ if I can be honest with God's really working on my heart in this area I don't want to stand before the Lord and him go yeah the reason you didn't win me oh, I'm saved I'm gonna be in heaven but the reason you didn't win me is because boy you were just on Twitter way too much You're just messing around way too much. You're texting way too much. You're on social media way too much. You're just haphazard way too much. I want to press toward the mark. Notice what he says, of the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Jesus the prize, something given for victory. I I honestly wanna stand before Jesus and I pray this prayer for you too, that that our movement would push us to this. I wanna stand before the Lord and him to say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Well done. You did what I told you to do. You, You did what you were called to do. You did what you were created to do. I wanna press towards that. In order to press towards that, there's some things I have to let go of. In order to press towards that, there's, there's some places I can't go. There, there's even some relationships I can't have. I can't pursue Christ and pursue every other thought that comes to my life. Solomon says in Ecclesiastes, that to learning there is no end. I wanna know everything, if you know me, I wanna know everything about everything. And it drives me nuts. Might not drive you nuts, but it drives me nuts. Oh, I wanna learn everything. I'm constantly talking. But you know, the older I get, and maybe it's because my brain is shrinking, I don't know. But I've had to come to this reality as a follower of Jesus Christ, that I've gotta pick and choose what's important for me to learn and there are some things that are very important to me and some things that are very important to my walk with Jesus Christ and there's some things very important to my job and my role here as pastor at Canyon Ridge Baptist Church and and, and all the things that I do and I constantly need to be learning and developing those things and those skills and ambitions and all of that but there are some things I have to say no to. Well, why do you have to say no to some things? Because I wanna say yes to Jesus. And so I have to let go of some things. And I have to let go of some things in the past that would hold me down so that I could pursue Christ. I press toward the mark of the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Some of you are still wondering what it would have been like had you not broke up with him or her. Some of you are still wondering about what it would be like had you married him or you, had I said yes to that proposal, my life would be totally different. And you wake up and you spend hours thinking about that. Can I encourage you by the grace of God to actively stop thinking that way? By the grace of God, I'm not saying it's easy. I'm saying by the abundant grace of God, asking God for help. I'm forgetting the things that are behind. Let me tell you this. I think Paul is probably talking about positive spiritual victories in his life. Well, pastor, why do we need to go on outreach this year? We had and, We did 110,000 flyers uh, last year to reach people. Why do we really need to do that this year? Hey, would you forget about that? I've had people tell me, well, I used to tithe. I did my tithing time. Well, like it's a prison sentence. <laughs> when do you get off for good behavior? Forget that. Actively forget that. I was touched one time many years ago. A young couple was sitting in front of me, and they were struggling financially. They were just struggling. How many of you have realized if you're young and you're married, you're going to struggle, especially when you have kids? It's just part of it. If you think you're not going to struggle, please stay single for life. And every married family in here goes, amen. I love what Bill Gates said one time when he was the richest man in the world. Now he's only like a loser number four or something. But he said when he was the richest man in the world at a conference I was watching, he said, everybody has money problems. Yours are in the hundreds and mine are in the hundreds of millions. We, we all have them. But I was talking to this young couple and they were, they were talking about me. and Not talking about me. That's, that's what the staff does when I'm not there. Um, they were talking to me and uh, the wife said, she was a little more concerned about money. The wife said, this family's not been in our church for a decade or more. And she said, pastor sometimes it's hard to just think about how much money we would have if we didn't give to the lord now come on we've all been there i wasn't too judgmental about that i just sat and listened and i, I was agreeing with them like, "Yeah." and the husband gave a godly response based off of this verse he reached over he touched her on the hand and he said sweetheart We can't think that way. That's right. We can't think that way. We're forgetting the things that are behind and reaching forth to the things that are before. Would you do me a favor by way of conclusion? Would you turn to the book of Joshua? Chapter 13. Joshua chapter 13. Joshua chapter 13, verse number one. Now, if you're new to church, Joshua was the leader of the nation of Israel. He had spent his entire life in service to the people of Israel. He was Moses' servant. Then he was Moses' aide de camp, and he was the general of the nation. And then Joshua became the leader of the nation. And the Bible says that Joshua did everything that Moses was supposed to do. Moses didn't get everything done that God told him to do. And Joshua comes on the scene, and Joshua gets everything done that God told Moses to do. And we read in chapter 13, verse number one, now Joshua was old and stricken in years. His time is short on the earth. And the Lord said unto him, thou art old and stricken in years, and there remaineth yet much land to be possessed. And there remaineth yet much land to be possessed. Joshua, you've been out this a while, your time is short, but Joshua, you're not done. Well, why am I not done, Lord? Because there remaineth yet much land to be possessed well well, but Lord, I've been doing this my whole life, yeah, but I've still got more land for you to possess. I've got more victories. For you to have, I've got more land for my people to occupy that they didn't build. I've got more houses for them to live in that they didn't construct. I've got more vineyards for them to eat from that they didn't plant. I've got more pasture land for their cattle to enjoy that they didn't prepare. Joshua, there's more land to be possessed. So I know you're old. And I know you're well stricken in years. We believe Joshua's late 80s, early 90s, possibly by now. You had to be at least 65 for them to say well stricken in years, but it seems from the context that he would be much older than that. Joshua, you don't have time to pack it in. Joshua, retirement's not an option. I know you just want to move and do your thing and, and you've been in the, in the military since you were 20 and you thought you were retiring at 40 and now you're 80 and you're just ready to pasture yourself out and, and go graze for a while. You want to move next to a golden corral and wake up and just eat all day. I, I get it, Joshua. Joshua. But you can't retire because there's still land to be possessed. I've called you, Joshua, and I'm not renouncing the calling yet on your life. You've got more to pursue, you've got more to do, you've got to occupy some land. And you've got to lead these people to take the land that I promised them. It's their land. You say, well, Pastor, what's all that for? Well, for some of us, or some of you, when you first got saved, it was obvious the areas that needed some work, it was obvious the land that needed to be conquered stop cussing. That was awesome. You gave that up. I love it when people come to me and they say, I haven't cussed in two days. I'm like, Debbie, that is so good. So what an answer to prayer that is. Way to go, sweetheart. Good. No, but you know what I mean? You first got saved, you're in the world, you're an adult and you just take on the the vestiges of the world. And, And let me tell you, one of the greatest things about being a chaplain is I'm learning a whole new lingo. I didn't know one word could be used for an adjective for every single event in life. I just didn't know that. Like, wow, that's great. And then people cuss in front of me and then they say sorry. And then I'm like, oh, it's no big deal. And they're like, oh, really? And then I shouldn't. Now I've started to say I Forgive you, <laughs> but there's a price. <laughs> so if we start having officers come, there's. A, I'm just teasing. I'm just. <laughs> you knew you needed to stop smoking weed. You knew you needed to stop using prescription drugs. I mean, you just knew that. You got saved. Nobody had to say, stop watching porn. You knew it was wrong. I mean, it took you a while, and some of you had still taken you a while, but you kind of knew those things. And now you've been saved a while. And you haven't cussed in a long time, at least not outwardly. You haven't drank or smoked weed or used prescription drugs or viewed porn. You come into church. You know the songs. You know when to say amen. You know when not to say amen. You write out your tithe check. You drop it in the. You put it on the. You know through the uh, digitally through our app. You you can do all of those things. You you know those things. You you've been in church for a while. Life's good. You're like, yeah, I haven't, I haven't done those things in a long time. I, I've kind of forgot how to do them. I've been a Christian so long that, that, and I've been walking with Jesus for so long that it, it just seems kind of like my life is pretty good. I'm good. I only yell at my spouse occasionally. My kids are pretty good. I'm good but could I remind you of Joshua chapter 13 verse number one there remaineth yet much land to be possessed it's great that you're not cussing anymore it's awesome by the way if you are it's a sin stop it Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. Well, pastor, that's just the way that I am. Right, that's the way that you are before Christ. Now you're in Christ. You're a new creation. Knock it off. Do it (laughs) by the grace of God. You say, I'm gonna need a lot of grace for that. Okay, you need a lot of grace for that. There still remains a lot of land to be possessed. You say, well, what kind of land? Well, I was just thinking. This is just something I was thinking of as I was thinking through this message and I was meditating on it and I thought of Ephesians chapter four, verse number thirty one. Let all turn there with me real quick. I don't want to quote it, I want you to see it. Ephesians chapter four. We'll get there, get there quick, quick, quick. Ephesians chapter four. Verse number thirty one. We'll be done in like four minutes or less. If you get there quick. Let all bitterness, say bitterness. Come on, come on, say it as a group. Let all bitterness, say bitterness. Bitterness. And wrath, say wrath. Wrath. And anger, say anger. Anger. And clamor. Clamor. You say, well, what's clamor? Clamor is like just that, just... That's just how some of you talk, like... It's like we need to throw you a dog treat because somebody said speak and you just went at it. That's clamor. That's what the word is. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking, say evil evil speaking. You say, what's evil speaking? We just talked about a little bit of it. It would include gossip. It would include lying. It's kind of a broader word, kind of a broader word be put away from you with all malice. Say malice. Malice. Bad intent. Malicious intent. And be kind one to another. Say kindness. Kindness. Tenderhearted. Forgiving one another. Say forgiving. forgiving. Even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. How many of you know you still need to possess the land that's currently inhabited by bitterness? It's currently inhabited by bitterness. The children of Israel, Joshua chapter 13, some land was inhabited by the Philistines and the Hivites and the Girgashites and the Ammonites and the Midianites and the Edomites. And there was some land that needed to be possessed, but the children of Israel, listen to me, they were comfortable because they weren't in Egypt anymore, they lived in the promised land, and they, they had they had gained so much, they're like, oh, I'm good, I'm here, I remember what it was, so I'm okay here. Be, listen to me, because they had not forgotten Egypt, they did not inhabit the promised land. Let me say it again, because they had not forgotten Egypt, they had we're not inhabiting the promised land. They were simply saying, well, we're not as bad as we were in Egypt. It's not as bad as it was in the wilderness wanderings. We're way better off than we were there. God's God said, whoa, 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 whoa. I didn't come down and deliver you to sit here. I came and delivered you for you to inhabit everything that's out there. And here's what Joshua is saying. Guys, I'm old. I'm well stricken in years. We don't have time to mess around anymore. You've got to get up and pursue the land that has been promised to you and to your offspring. Christian brother and sister, you've been called to pursue the land that's been inhabited by bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking and malice. And it's supposed to be occupied by forgiveness it's supposed to be occupied by kind occupied by kindness it's supposed to be occupied by a tender heart for the sake of Christ who is kind and tender-hearted and forgiving to us I'm glad you're not cussing anymore i'm glad you're not smoking weed anymore i'm glad you don't rob banks anymore i'm thankful that you don't steal stereos out of your friend's cars anymore i'm glad you're not doing the obvious sins anymore but the christian life is not simply about getting rid of the obvious sins it's about letting God possess every part of the land, including the heart that is occupied by bitterness or the heart that is occupied by wrath or evil speaking or frustration or fear. And God has called us, listen, God has called us to allow him to occupy every single area of our life. And it will only happen, John, bring the main slide up. It'll only happen as we pursue Christ. As we press toward the mark of the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. You know what your marriage needs? You to press toward the mark. You know what your children need? You to press toward the mark. You know what your parents need? You to press toward the mark. You know what your coworkers need? You to press towards the mark you know what your church needs? Sorry, Jim. You to press toward the mark. That's what it needs. The question is, are you pursuing Christ? Are you pursuing the prize? Are you running the race to win it? Are you just coming to church because the pastor tells really good jokes? (laughs) Nope. Nope. Let evil speaking be put away from you <laughs> with all malice. God's called us to pursue, to pursue. Father, bless our time in the Word. And I pray. Thank you for listening. Hear more messages anytime at canyonridgebaptist.com. If you're in the San Diego area, please join us for a service. We meet on Sundays at 8.30 a.m., 10.30 a.m., and 5 o'clock p.m.